Welcome to Season 6 of the Fire Trainer Podcast, Episode 25, published on February 20th, 2024. We are part of the Concealed Carry Network of Podcasts. In this episode, we'll be talking with Mike Oshner about his new book, Red Dot Mastering. Help us reach more instructors by sharing this episode and also giving us a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. We're a small podcast, and we're trying to get the message out there to help all instructors. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Fireman Trainers Association. Visit their website or sign up at ftaprotect.com and learn more about their instructor coverage offer and the competitive pricing. Listeners to this podcast get 10% off your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the LSR Classic Trainer. I use the LSR Classic system in my classroom because it allows me to teach first-time gun owners proper side alignment, proper drawing from a holster, and trigger control without stepping on the range, saving me time and the student money by not firing rounds down range. When the student is ready, they know what to do because of the classroom training. LSR Classic is easy to set up and tear down because all you need is a laptop with a webcam to use it. That allows you to set up anywhere you can take your laptop. The application also works with any laser device from laser cartridges you put in your firearm to dedicate laser trainers. LASR is veteran-owned and operated. Find out more information at LASRapp.com and receive a special 10% discount by using discount code FTP10 at checkout. We bring this podcast support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Today, we're joined by Mike Oxner to talk about his new book named Red Dot Mastery. So welcome back, Mike, and thank you for uh, coming on the podcast again. Thanks a lot, Rob. Good to see you again. <laughs> well, hey, um, we saw you at the USCCA Expo uh, yeah. last fall, tw- the 2023 Expo, and uh, I know you were wowing the audience there uh, about you know all your different uh, uh, tips on how to go along and get the uh, neurons in our brains to uh, fire properly and how to go along and release the full potential. And I do have to say that was a very good investment on my time because all those things you talked about, uh, I still use the people that were that I know were in that, in that same room. We still use uh, some of those uh, different techniques for it. And I staying away from using, uh, you know, the word trick, because they're not tricks. I mean, you do them and they work. And that's where it's a technique in that standpoint, not a trick. So today, talking about red dot mastery, I'm going to be taking notes because as uh, we were talking in the sh- before we started recording, I've taken several red dot cl- uh, classes, talked to several different uh, instructors that teach you know successfully. Um, Scott Jelinski to say to say yep. be one of the bigger ones, um, but Scott does it very you know. F- he does a, a whole lot of the mechanical stuff, does it really good. But I'm really interested in talking about with you today because geez, I want to see how my neurons are working and how I can do better with my neurons in order to uh, you know shoot my red dot faster because I'm sure you're going to teach me something about my eyes and my brain and how they work together with my hands uh, for doing all that stuff, which nobody else does. So let's jump into some of these things. Questions. Awesome. Tell me. And you're, uh, why do you think people have such problems with red dots and every, you know, I think over 50% of the market now, you know, the new guns that are being sold have red dots on them, something crazy like that. Cause I'm seeing them left and right in the classes that I teach. But every time I talk to somebody about it, they're always telling me, you know, I've got problems, you know, finding the dots. I've got problems, 
you know, uh, shooting it accurately, those, those types of things. But why do you think people are having so many problems when everybody seems to be having a red dot these days? Yeah. So one of the big things is that with iron sights, you can throw the gun up almost anywhere in your field of vision and figure out how you need to move it in order to get the sights aligned on your target. With a red dot, if it's not right between your dominant eye and the target, you're not going to see the dot. And so the, the red dot rewards a perfect presentation. And it gives you a severe time penalty for not having a perfect presentation. And so that's really it. If, if somebody has a perfect presentation with, with iron sights, the transition to a red dot is going to be pretty darn easy. But most people don't because they don't have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know from my own experience, uh, when I was having iron sights, I would, you know, draw and I would drop that front sight right between the, you know, the uh, dovetail and the rear, rear of the gun. And I shot like that for a long time. It wasn't until my eyesight started aging and I didn't have the ability to see the target as well as I wanted to and see the sights at the same time that I started doing red dots. And that's one of the things that in the classes that I've taken that you find, it's not just throw it out there. It, you've got to do as you've got to make sure you're doing it the proper way so that everything's in between your eye and the target. Mike, tell me this, is there, is this a, is this a problem? I mean, when you talk about, you know, drawing different things like that, can it be fixed by, um, equipment alone, or do you need to, you know, do, do more than just, you know, buy fancy equipment. And what I'm thinking about is I know hollow sun, um, has, has some neat, neat sites. And so does, uh, primary arms with their, uh, Vulcan. Uh, what, what do, do the, does that solve the problem or how does that work into the whole equation? Yeah. Okay. So the two, two questions, two answers there. Uh, number one, uh, you can fix some of it with, with mechanical solutions, but it, it's really going to come down to the quality of your presentation. And there's a couple of ways to, to get a better presentation. One is high volume brute force repetition. And that's what we've been told to do for decades. And that's how a lot of people figured out how to make the switch to a red dot. The other is you um, go further upstream to the brain and get the senses working together so that the gun and the dot automatically show up between your dominant eye and the target. Uh, the second part is about the ACSS and uh, or the Vulcan ACSS. And it, that's an awesome site. And it's got a, uh, a dot and then a 250 MOA circle around the outside. And if the dot's dead center in the middle of the optic and you've got a long arm, you're not going to see the, the circle at all. It's only if you're, if you're off, uh, the dot can be completely out of the window and you'll see a crescent shape of that big, big circle. And that will guide you and tell you which way you need to move the gun to get the dot on target. And that's a, an awesome, awesome tool for new shooters because mm -hmm. you can hand it to them and you don't have to tell them what to do. It, it's so darn intuitive. They just figure it out. I, it becomes an issue, though, 
because uh, going back to the, the idea that a lot of people have a poor presentation with irons and they just throw the gun up and then figure out how to fix it once it gets into their field of view, the, the ACSS lets you get away with that. And so you don't have to refine your presentation uh, the way you do with just a dot. And what that means is that you're never going to take full advantage of the of what you can do with a dot. So the way that we teach people to use it is at first you use it with a dot and the circle. And then in your training, you try and wean yourself off of using the circle so that you get to where you're only practicing with the dot and you're getting rewarded with a perfect presentation because you see the dot in training over and over and over again. And then when you go to carry or have it set up for home defense or whatever, you turn that circle on again because it has a lot of value if you get into a situation where you, uh, let's say you have to pick up your pistol off of the floor with your support hand, uh, you've got a bad grip. And when you present, the dot doesn't show up, but the circle does, and you can still get on target very quickly with it. So a lot of value, but it is, it, you do need to use it correctly, or it can become a, uh, a crutch that'll slow you down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those uh, training scars. That we as instructors yes. are trying to avoid instilling in our students because if they're if they don't have that perfect presentation, um, you know, we should be working on the presentation more more so than giving them uh, you know piece of equipment that could potentially fail them uh, for it. But if they do a they do the proper presentation, that will work no matter what. Yep. Yeah. So I'll take, I'll take a step back. You were talking about moving upstream to more of the brain. Can you give us a little bit of idea of what, of what type of things you can do in the brain to help out with uh, red dot mastery? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so one of the things is that uh, we want to have our eyes both agreeing on what is straight ahead because the eyes don't always point at what you're looking at. The eyes don't always point in the same direction. Uh, some people are, are cross-eyed, some people's eyes uh, flare out. Uh, there's all sorts of different things that happen. And in a lot of cases, we can get them working together very, very quickly and easily. Um, usually not permanently, but in a uh, training situation, we can get them working together for the, the training session. And then over time, uh, train the brain to uh, line the eyes up better. Uh, the other thing is that it's common for the eyes and the inner ear to be to not be in agreement on what is straight ahead. And when they don't match up, the brain is not very happy at all. And, and most people are familiar with this to a certain degree with motion sickness. Uh, that happens when the, the inner ear and the eyes are telling the brain different things about where the body is and what's going on around it. And with shooting, that can cause us to uh, bring the pistol up and not be aimed at our target. And so we might, uh, every time we present, we might present three, four, six inches to the right and then have to make an, an adjustment to the left at the last moment. And uh, we can get rid of that by doing some quick drills before we train. And mm -hmm. so there's a few things like that with the senses that uh, very, very quickly – 
we can um, we can get them all working together and make it very easy to present the dot between our dominant eye and the target. I'm curious, what what are some of those things we can do to get the presentation of the dot between our eye and the target? Oh, uh, so I'm trying to figure out how to explain it with audio only. Um, <laughs> I the can, one, I the, can, the one time video would be perfect to have and we, and we don't have it. So, sorry. listeners. Yeah. So I can, I can reference that, uh, uh, my presentation, the video of it, if you're okay with that. Yep. That's fine. Okay. We'll put that in the yeah, show notes. The, the presentation from the USCCA Expo last fall, I have it recorded and you can watch it for free at visiontraining.com. And it goes into some of the drills that you can do to get the senses working together very, very quickly. And uh, I'll try and explain it without video uh, just so that people can have a, a taste of it right now. If you imagine a compass rose, and a compass rose is that little thing down in the corner of a map that says uh, north, northeast, east, southeast, south, southwest, west, northwest. And so it's got eight arrows on it. If you uh, hold your thumb out in front of you and look at where your thumbnail meets your skin, and while you're doing that, you nod your head up to the north and then back to the middle and then to the northeast and back to the middle and east and back to the middle and southeast. And so basically you're nodding your head around in eight different directions. And when you do that, it has the effect of calibrating and synchronizing your inner ear with your eyes. And there's some other drills that we do to, um, to get the inner ears working together um, with each other so that they're both in agreement with each other and getting the eyes in agreement with each other. But that's one drill that uh, very, very high payoff drill. And one of the big times when I suggest that people use it is any time that they travel in a car or an airplane. And what happens is, kind of like with motion sickness, uh, there's a disconnect between what the inner ear is experiencing and what the eyes are experiencing. And uh, for most people, they'll recover from that very, very quickly and won't see any negative results whatsoever. But as we get older, as we accumulate bumps to the head, um, as we take more and more, they're called ototoxic medications. There's about 4,000 of them that say may cause dizziness. Well, they also impact our inner ears ability to tell which direction we're, we're moving and which direction we're grabbing. Um, and then, uh, unfortunately, COVID it has a uh, big effect on the inner ear. So uh, because of that, anytime people travel a long distance in a car, travel in an airplane, I suggest they do that drill. And... One of the things that people have reported back to me, and I've experienced myself, it's, it's been awesome, is that I always used to get a sore neck and or a sore back after flying and after long car trips, and I don't anymore. And the reason is the, the eyes and the ears are, are linked together, and the ears and the spine are linked together. 
And if they're not, if the eyes and the ears aren't working together, uh, the inner ears are going to tell the spine that, or the muscles around the spine, that they need to flex. And you end up with residual tension that doesn't need to be there. And you hold that residual tension for a long time, you end up with a, a sore neck and a sore back, and uh, it doesn't feel good. Uh, you do those drills, and a lot of people go from having a sore neck and a sore back after every flight to not having it again. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I, I haven't traveled to be able to put that to use, but I have used Mike's uh, techniques, and uh, my partner who was with me at the USCCA has uh, put them to use, and it's uh, just mind-boggling how well it works. And if you get a chance to, uh, attend Mike seminars, either online or in person, do it because it will, uh, open your eyes to some very, very interesting, uh, techniques, Mike question for you, because you know, you started, I know you started your journey because you had vertigo a long time ago, but yep. where do you, how have you learned all this stuff to go along and apply it to like the red dots? Because it's, it's another one of these things where it's just like, Wow. I mean, this is just your book is, is a lot of great information for, for the shooters or, or instructors overall to kind of understand how the inner ear, the eyes, the hands are all connected and how you can make them work, work more seamlessly together. Yeah. So I, I've trained with a few organizations, uh, Wharton neurology program, uh, next level neuro Z health education, sports vision pros, and uh, a few others and like last year for example i think i somewhere between 160 and 175 hours of live neurology training is what i did and so i it, it's a um it's a pretty big part of my life is uh digging into this and figuring it out and uh, going to different schools and and seeing how they think and how they approach neurology and how to get the brain to, uh, or how to use the brain and train the brain to unlock performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm still at all about everything you come up with in these little, uh, these little tips that are like, man, this works uh, really great. Hey, when it comes to red dots, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, um, when it comes to equipment, what's your thoughts about, uh, having them mounted on a uh, plate versus being uh, actually, actually mounted to, uh, in the slide, you know, cut, you know, specifically for, uh, for the red dot. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, especially with, uh, with the Glock MOS that's designed to basically be used exclusively with plates. Now, Holosun got around that with the SCS and the direct mount, but, uh, the the idea of plates is very very tempting because we can buy one gun and then mount any optic on it just by switching plates the problem is there's two parts to the problem but the the main part of it is the amount of g forces that the optic experiences during recoil and the numbers are unbelievable uh, a lot of times you'll see that optics are rated to 1,000 or 1,500 Gs. And that sounds like a lot because you take your weight and you multiply it by 1,000, it's a big number. And you don't want to be mm -hmm. exposed to that amount of weight. 
well, unfortunately, the amount of force that optics are subjected to during recoil is in the 5,000 to 13,000 G range. And that's going to depend on the size of the gun, the weight of the gun, the ammo you're using, uh, whether you limp wrist it or have a good grip, uh, several different things. But it's a big, big number. And so from a very, very simple physics perspective, if we use a plate, that optic's going to be higher and the the lever is going to be longer. And uh, we want that lever to be as short as possible. So we want the optic mounted as low as possible. Uh, the other thing is that uh, because of those G-forces, a plate is another point of failure. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the plates can break in half uh, and the optic and half the plate fly off. The, the stems that have uh, threads in them to, to screw the optic into, uh, they can come off. And that happens uh, more often when they're welded than when they're um, when they're CNC'd and they're one piece. Um, they can um, the the screws that hold the the plate to the slide can come off or come loose, and you don't know it until it's too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a a lot of downsides to the plates, and they they really need to be made with uh with high high psi steel and made in a way that they can handle the the abuse of those high g forces Mm -hmm. yeah and when you think about you know those kind of g forces uh that's a lot of weight but then think about you're in a weekend class and you're going through four or five six hundred rounds that's you know that's those you know five thousand you know, geez, you're hitting it, you know, 600 times, or when you go along, look how many rounds you shoot through, through your firearm in a year that, you know, take that the number of times that you're just beating on it. And that's where, you know, as you talk about with the plates, they can share off the screws. They can go along and break in half from it because all, everything that's happening is, it's just, you know, sliding backward and boom, stopping and going forward and stopping it's almost it's almost like a jackhammer going back and forth on your uh, site and all yes. the other parts, and uh, that's where you could definitely see. You want to get something well made, but also properly installed. And uh, sometimes milling your slides specifically for a uh, site is probably your best uh, best bet. Or, well, well, Mike, yeah, it does or, limit what you can fit on it, what you mm-hmm. can fit on a particular slide, but it makes it so much more rock solid when you do. Yeah, and if I if there's one thing in life that I want to say is rock solid and dependable, it's got to be my gun. So it can be worth and most of the milling that I've seen is between about 150 to 200 bucks. So not too terrible when you go along and you think about the advantages of doing that because if you've got to go and get a gunsmith to take those screws out because it gets sheared off, or you've got to you know take and send the uh, gun back for you know a couple weeks because something broke on it because uh you know the plate and the you know site went flying off um extra 100 bucks isn't isn't that big of a deal overall Mm -hmm. Um, 
what what are some of the student results um obviously you've gone along and you know, had this book you've got a lot of results that are in the book um but what what are some of the results that you can tell the listeners about what people got from uh, reading your book and implementing those techniques yeah so yeah there there's two different classes of results that people have had uh one is uh, with red dots and uh, the vast majority of people who have had a problem switching over to red dots uh, once they read the book and do the drills they are on the very next time that they go and try and shoot a red dot uh, the the dot appears when they present and they're able to track and recoil better and uh, because of drills in the book they're not flinching as much there's um, some pretty dramatic changes that happen because of what is in the book. Uh, had uh, an instructor who was working with a uh, a lady, and she had about a uh, seven inch. Well, she was off seven inches at five yards because of flinch, and. A few instructors had worked with her for the last year or so and hadn't been able to help her with it. And he did one of the drills from the book with her for about 20 seconds, and she was shooting one-inch groups. And uh, it was all it was all in the brain. It was there. There was no change in technique. There was no change in telling her what to think, what process to use. All it was was helping the brain work better. Um, and it works for other other shooting applications. I, I had uh, one <laughs> one person who read the book who wrote in a few days ago who said that they're shooting their iron sights so much better now because of what they learned in the book that they aren't switching over to a red dot anymore. <laughs> uh, they they liked their irons. They just switched over to a red dot because they their performance was dropping off. And with what they learned, they, their performance is better than ever, and they don't need the red dot anymore, and they don't want to switch. Mm -hmm. uh, another one was a, an instructor who um, he tried it, got good results with it, started using it with red dot students, got good results with it. And on a whim, uh, he was working with a long-range precision team, and he had a, a young shooter who couldn't shoot better than 15 inches at 1,000 yards. And so he had him do a, a quick set of drills that were designed to help you with a red dot. And he immediately went to shooting a six inch group at 1500 yards. So it was a, a huge, I think I forget 270%, something like that. It, it was a big improvement uh, mm -hmm. just from doing vision drills. And, yeah. uh, Oh, go yeah, ahead, Rob. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, you know, people might be listening and thinking, ah, that doesn't make sense. Uh, I would highly recommend you going out to uh, vision training, watching the video, um, and doing some of his techniques because it's the real deal. Having experienced it and things like that, it is the real deal. And it sounds really far-fetched sometimes until you actually do it. And uh, I, I highly endorse uh, looking over Mike's book and applying his uh, techniques for it because they do work. 
as crazy as crazy as it might sound sometimes about just doing things, you know, looking at your thumbnail and looking up to the, you know, north and northeast and south and and south uh, west and those types of things. It sounds crazy, but it does work. Um, firsthand knowledge. It is. Here. It is absolutely not believable because it doesn't mesh with anything that we know, and and that was my introduction to it. Uh, I I went from not being able to do a single push-up without pain to being able to do 20 push-ups without pain with about 20 minutes of vision drills. And it made no sense to me whatsoever. And it, it just, it doesn't mesh with anything that most people know or have been taught, but it's how our brain's wired. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, if we can train our brain so that it, it works correctly, and works the way that it was designed and built to be built to work. Uh, we get a lot more performance out of it. Yeah. I forget if I read it someplace or you told me someplace, but all the top, you know, major league baseball, football, basketball, soccer, all the top athletes yep. that you read about do these kind do similar, uh, mental exercises because it gives them that extra edge to, you know, perform at those high levels. And, uh, that's one of those things where for me experiencing myself and then reading those things, it's like, now I under, now I understand why you've got people that are, you know, doing so well in football and baseball and those type compared to what they were doing 20 years ago. It's not just better equipment, but it's actually better training, not just the muscles, but actually better training for the mind. And that's one of those things where, you know. Anybody could go along and lift more weights, you know, eventually building up to it, but it's going along, getting the mind to go along and figure out, okay, but when I have to throw the ball, I can't sit there and wait. I've got to instinctively know what to do. And that's how firing all those new neurons in the right sequence and, and such really makes, uh, makes a big difference in the, in the, in the overall, uh, game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been amazing to see the uh, big programs are putting millions, if not ten million or more, into training facilities to work on sensory integration, to work on vision and balance, and mental endurance, and other things, so that uh, so that guys have more uh, mental capacity and physical capacity in the fourth quarter, and they don't wear out as quickly because for for most people, when we start feeling fatigue, it's because of the brain getting tired. It's not because our muscles are out of, uh, of energy. The, mm -hmm. the energy supply is there. The brain's just saying, hey, it's time to shut down. Yeah, I, I read an article one time that scientifically speaking, there is no need for the human body to uh, sleep. The need there is more of a mental uh, necessity than actually for the muscles to, you know, relax because, you know, they, they do the same thing resting as they do when they're being used, you know, they're, you know, they go along and they metabolize, you know, oxygen and, you know, that's how they work. But the brain needs that, that break during the evening overnight, you know, rest, uh, but the rest of the body, it could, you know, just continue running, you know, for a very, very long time until it wears out. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Mike, who else do you work on uh, this book with? Yeah, this this was uh, this was an awesome project. So, 
I worked on it with uh, Marcus Custer and Eric Gellhouse. And I've known Mark for years. He um, He's a, a former U.S. Army Special Forces and then uh, was a federal law enforcement investigator. And now he's a um, one of the lead instructor trainers for ILFE, the, uh, I'm sorry, INLEFIA, uh, National Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors Association. And so he's traveling around the country doing uh, instructor development. And he started incorporating a lot of my, uh, uh, my vision training into his instructor training a few years ago and has just had incredible results with it. And he went down the rabbit hole on red dots before I did. And he's really the, the main reason why I know what I know uh, is uh, he, he gave me a huge, huge knowledge jump and wisdom jump that I, it would have been very, very painful to, to learn everything myself. And then, um, Eric was in one of my instructor development classes and I knew his background. He uh, was uh, army infantry and uh, career law enforcement. And he created the red dot training for gun sight. And so he's got um, 13, 14 years of red dot experience and a uh, huge, huge knowledge base, uh, both, um, uh, practical and theoretical application of, uh, of red dots on pistols and asked him if he would be willing to help with it because I, I wanted their knowledge set because I don't have it. I've uh, got the neurology side. Uh, I don't have the, the, the real world operational experience that they do. And at this mm-hmm. point in my life, I'm probably not going to get it. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we had uh, Eric on back in season five and episode 10. If anybody wants to listen to Eric talk about red dots and, uh, how he tra- trains people on things like that. Um, I had no idea he was collaborating with you or else probably would have asked him some questions back then, but definitely got a very good, um, you know, crew there that, you know, we're collaborating with you and, uh, coming up, uh, I've got to say, I haven't gotten through the entire book yet, but. I'm very interested to a finish the book and B go along and apply those, uh, techniques next time I'm at, at the range. In addition to the other techniques uh, that took away from, uh, our last conversation at the USCCA expo. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear back from you after you do. I've heard it mm-hmm. works. <laughs> yeah. I heard it. I heard it does too. Wait, Eric, um, uh, sorry. Thinking Eric Gellhouse and uh, I got Mike on here. Um, I'll, Mike, I'll been... <laughs> take that mistake. That's not a bad one at all. <laughs> no, uh, but Mike, uh, season six, we've been asking all our guests to uh, tell us what would they like to be remembered for when they pass away? Yeah, that's deep, deep thoughts. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, one of my big missions over the last few years outside of firearms training has, uh, has been to, uh, well, I've, I'm head of a hundred boy, uh, outdoor adventure ministry called trail life at our church. 
And the idea behind it is to help help build godly young men with grit and help them know true north, uh, help them make uh, moral choices and help them to be tough, help them to uh, uh, not be soft and enjoy things, but they can also endure things. And more than endure things, they can enjoy bad situations. Mm-hmm. And that has expanded beyond boys to men who, for one reason or another, either haven't been tested or haven't been tested in years. And again, for whatever reason, they feel like they're missing out on stuff and they want to they want to get lined up again with true north and they want to start uh, building grit and the ability to endure things. And so that's really, um, yeah, that's, that's what I want to be remembered for is, um, is helping people with a relationship with God and helping them uh, be more effective here, be uh, better men uh, stronger men, more resilient men. Good. Typing in the show notes real fast. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that is deep. Well, Mike, can you tell our, uh, listeners, uh, about where they can find your red dot mastery book and, uh, where they can uh, get your online uh, courses also? Yeah. So the book is available at red.mastery.com. And then the, the video from the USCCA Expo, uh, where it's about an hour presentation in a room of 100 people where I'm running them through a series of drills. And you can see on camera what, hap- what the results are in a uh, big group of people, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, that's at visiontraining.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, through either of those, uh, you can... Um, get on my mailing list or uh, you can follow me on Facebook at uh, dry fire ox. And uh, throughout the year I do uh, live online classes on uh, well, red dot mastery vision training for firearms instructors, uh, draw stroke mastery, which is a sub second draw stroke class uh, shooting on the move, uh, all sorts of different, firearms related classes and that um, are really better and easier to learn in an online format where it's spread out over a little bit of time rather than uh, drinking from a fire hose in a class. And a lot of people find if they, if they do that kind of training, the, the online training where it's spread out over time, when they do go to a live class, they get a lot more out of it because they, um, less of the material is new, uh, regardless of what instructor they're, they're taking stuff from. And they're able to perform better. They're able to have more energy at the end of class, and they're able to take more skill away from the class. Very good. And I will have those in the show notes for everybody's uh, reference for it. Um, and one thing just to point out to you, you will find uh, Mike's book on Amazon. You would do him a great favor if you bought it directly from his website and you will save some money along the way too by ordering from the website. His website's cheaper than Amazon. 
So keep that in mind and help the uh, small business uh, people that are out there. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time. Um, we're only scratching the surface of uh, you know neurology uh, that you you possess the knowledge for. It. But look forward to uh, next time you come on, or the next time I see you at one of the uh, uh, public events because you got some really cool stuff. Really cool stuff. Well, thanks a lot, Rob. It's been a pleasure being on and great to see you again. Same here and uh, stay safe. That's a wrap for this episode. And I hope you found that conversation with Mike very interesting on, and that you go out and get a copy of his book uh, would be uh, really good for him. And also I think it would help uh, everybody in their understanding how red dots work and how our eyesights work. If you're searching for additional information, with other Red Dot episodes, check out our webpage at firemtrainerpodcast.com, where we talked to Scott Zielinski and other people over the last several years on Red Dots and how they've kind of taken over the uh, firearms and training on that side. If you have questions, feedback for me, want to come on, send me a quick email at ftp at concealedcarry.com. And follow us on Facebook. And also join us for a live fire discussion where we talk with uh, Mike Seeklander. Also, check out our sponsor, Specialist Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their insurance. Remember, promo code FTP10 at checkout will get you 10% off. We bring this podcast support to the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.